Hey, this is Tolly Wilkins of Captivate Church, and we're so glad you've joined us on our podcast today. This is one way that we can take our message from Baltimore all across the world. We pray that today encourages you, inspires you to become the man or woman that God's designed you to be. For our time together this morning in this uh, series of uh, saints and sinners, for our time together, I want to describe and talk with you today about a divine overlap, uh, a divine overlap that works. Last week, we talked about uh, Saul, who would later become a name known as Paul, or his name Paul would be used a lot. Uh, Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, but before that he was Saul. And we talked about this great uh, Saul of Tarsus who had uh, persecuted Christians. He was there for the first martyrdom of Stephen, the first Christian to die for claiming the name of Christ. And, and we looked at this guy Saul, and we said, man, that is such a sinner. But even he became a Christ follower. And we talked about how, man, that was a great work of God. And if God can save a guy like Saul, then God can save uh, anybody in our lives. Anybody we lock eyes with, we see out at the grocery store, we see hanging out with a friend, everybody has an opportunity. And so we were challenged last week to realize that everybody we lock eyes with has that same opportunity. And so we need to do uh, our part. Today, I want to talk about that our part. I want to talk to you about another conversion um, but I also want to talk to you about the person that was helpful in leading that uh, conversion. We pick up in the scriptures in Acts chapter 8. Uh, in Acts chapter 8 today, um, when sinners become saints, the work of God meets the works, worship of his children. Work and worship. God's at work to draw sinners to himself. That's something that's always happening. And in your life, that's the reason we actually named the church Captivate, was that in all seasons of life, when you get to know somebody's story, you could see how God was trying to captivate, draw attention of a person's heart. And so when you talk to somebody and you learn their story, you can find these little, these little pictures, these little windows into their world to say, man, God was trying to captivate you. God was drawing you. Whether it was through a, a terrible tragedy or an accident, God was drawing you to say, hey, come back to me. Or whether it was through the birth of a child or even an awestruck sunset or, or standing at a great canyon, God was just saying, wow, I am God and I want your attention. And so there's the work of God. But most of us, nearly all of us, we come to faith through the faithful worship of his children. Because somebody who's worshiping God will share their faith with another person. And so it's the work of God for sure. Don't get, me, uh, don't, don't get it twisted at all. But it's also the work of God combined with the worship of his children. And you know, a lot of us don't worship God in the, the ways of sharing the gospel. A lot of us don't see the need to, to share the gospel or to tell somebody else about the great work of God. And, and so as a result, we kind of worship comfort. And so what we want to say is, no, 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 Lord, I want to worship you. And if there's somebody out there that needs to hear about you and the goodness of your work and the goodness of your grace, let me be a, a mouth. Let me be an example, not just an example that they watch for good behavior, because that could mean a lot of things. It could just mean that you're a good moral person. It could mean that you're, you're a good uh, Muslim. It could mean you're a good anything. Not just watching my life, but also hearing what I have to say about the work of God in my life. I want to read for you. Let's read together Acts chapter 8 and discuss this divine overlap between God's work and our worship and how it leads sinners to become saints. Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go towards the south of the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. 
This is a desert place. Can you say desert place? This is a desert place. And he rose and went. We don't have any details. We don't have any whys. We don't have, it's just, I heard from the Lord, so I did it. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. So we've got this Ethiopian eunuch here who's, who's kind of a, a, a CFO. He had come to Jerusalem to worship huh, and was returning seated in his chariot. He was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? I, I, I can have the word here. I just went to a worship service. I, I just left Captivate. And that, yeah, I heard the guy and this is the passage in front of us. And Do you understand it? How am I supposed to know unless somebody walks me through? I want us to pause and just realize how many people in the world, if they were honest, would say that same thing to you. Hey, come to church with me. Okay, I guess. Hey, do you, do you enjoy service? Yeah, it was nice. But do you understand it? I don't know. And I really feel like this is the divine overlap where God's work in a person's life meets the worship of his children. And he invited Philip to come and to sit with him. And now the passage of scripture that they were reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before the shear is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch turned to Philip and said, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? Is it about himself or is it about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and he began with this scripture. He told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. The work of God for the glory of God. The work of God for the glory of God. That's what we see here in this divine overlap is the work of God for his glory. You see, there was a lot of work that took place in order to have this whole encounter get there. Let's break it down and look at it. Now, the angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and he went. The most important aspect of sharing the gospel is obedience. Obedience. Just doing the things that God has asked you to do. You remember when he called Peter, when, when Jesus called Peter? It was a simple act of obedience. It was like, hey, Peter, can you push out from shore? Just push out a little bit. Just simple acts of obedience. Can we go a little further? Can we be kind to our neighbor? Can, can, we, can we think about others above ourselves? Just simple acts of obedience. And in this case, it was, hey, Philip, 
The persecution's happening. The church is being stirred up and run, and they're having to go everywhere because of the persecution that, that came to the church. And so everybody looks at Acts chapter 2, and they're like, man, that is an awesome church. Look at them. They had everything. Nobody had anything in common. They had everything in common. They shared everything. Look at that. That's a great church. It was so great. And they got so self-centered that God allowed persecution to come. And the, and the gospel didn't spread because Christians were doing the right thing so much so as the gospel spread because God allowed persecution to happen so that they had to spread out. Because whether it's salt or whether it's manure, when you stack it in a pile, neither one are very effective for anything. Stack a bunch of Christians in one spot, congratulations. But we gotta, we got to spread. we got to keep sending the message out. And so what happened is the persecution came and the church had to flee. And so Philip is one of the church and God comes to Philip and says, Philip, you know what I want you to do? I've got some people down here in Jerusalem already, and I've got the apostles, and they're down there doing their thing, and we know this from other books, and, and we got that going on. But Philip, what I want you to do, bud, I want you to go on this road that leads towards the desert. What? I, I, want, the, I want the cush job. I, I, I want, I want, I want the, the thing. I want to be in the city place. I, I want to be where all the people are. I want to be where the movers and shakers. You, you want me to take a road that, that goes towards the desert place? You don't see here where God explains in detail. You don't see where there's a five-point system. You don't see where there's even a promise of anything good to come from this obedience. You don't see anything. What we see is, hey, Philip, you know what I need out of you? Yes, Lord, what do you need? I need you to go down that road towards the desert. Okay. How many of us are sitting on a command of God? Like, we know the good we ought to do. The scripture says in the book of James that he who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. But we know we've heard from God. We, we, we know that we're supposed to be doing something different. But, but, but we're like, I don't know. See here, God, listen, think about it. I, I'm, I'm pretty smart. And, and I know you want me to go and do this. I, I understand. But listen, can you hear me out? And this is what we do with God every day what we do with God every day. And he's like, no, I, I, Philip, I want you to go towards the desert place. And the Bible says, and then he went. See how complicated that was? And then he went. You know the beautiful thing? We want to plan out our whole lives, including what's going to happen next. We want to pl plan out the next thing, where we're going to end up, where we're, how it's going to go. We want to plan all that out before we'll make a move. And God's like, no, 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 that's not how it works, my friend. You'll have so much more fun you have so much more fun if you just trust your dad. I know what I'm doing. No details. Maybe you might ask yourself, have I been asked to go to a desert place? You know the people that go to the desert place without details? People that trust. People that trust the voice that sent them. People that trust. The faith-filled people. It's the worst feeling to be in a season where you feel like you're in a desert place. It feels, that's the worst feeling. 
But man, it's the greatest amount of faith. Your connection to God grows so much because you're like, Lord, I don't know what you're doing next, but I'm, I'm, I'm listening. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace and queen of the Ethiopians who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and he was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And we don't know what's interesting is they would sell these uh, scrolls, which, which cost uh, some money. And uh, we don't understand, like, how does he get a hold of a copy except for maybe that he invested quite a bit of resource into this. So this was important, even though he didn't fully get it. He was really vested before he fully got it. He didn't say, hey, I'll wait till I understand it all before I get invested. And the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join the chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. And he asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides him? He heard him reading. You ever think about that? They're just... And Philip... I should have done coconuts. But Philip is at some distance to where he's got to run and catch up. And he can hear him reading. Can, can, you, can you imagine the scene? Can you imagine the scene? He just, he just went and he's, he's getting a hold and he, he buys this scroll and, and he's, he's riding. He's got a chariot that's pulling him. And he's so reading. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb, he was before the shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. And he's, he's reading. And he's reading loud enough, so loud, that someone over the sound of the, the wheels and the chariot, over the sound, is able to hear at a distance that he's reading God's word. And he doesn't fully get it, but he's vested. He's like, if this is God's word, if God is in this, I want some of it, even if I don't fully get it yet. And so many of us, we're so opposite, we're so uh, cautious that we're not ready to dive in until we have it all figured out. And God's just like, man, you know what you're missing? You know what you're missing? So think about it, like the, the eunuch was, was, was all in. And by the way, by the definition of being um, a, a, a eunuch, it meant that he typically wouldn't even have been allowed inside of the worship center. So we don't really know. He went there to worship. We don't even know if he was actually allowed in with the rest of the worshipers. Or did he just want to get close enough to understand? Did he, did he just say, hey, I, I, I got to just be here. There's something, I, I, I got to be here. And I, I, I need the scroll. I want to I read the scroll. I want to understand this stuff. And there's different theories I was reading this week, different theories about just, was, was this guy all in on Judaism? Was he, was he a Gentile? Was he an explorer? Did he hear? And, and truth is, there, there's just so much debate. But what we do know is that he was reading the word so loud that Philip could hear him over the chariot, over the horses. So much of this encounter was God, but what I do see here, what we do understand, is God is bringing his love to the outsiders. Will we? 
This Ethiopian unit was, it was hundreds of miles away from home. He may not even been invited inside the temple to, to worship. And, but God still sends a message that says, I love that Ethiopian eunuch. That I'm going to direct Philip's path to go down to a desert place, to find him on a side road, not in the metropolis, not around the temple, not inside of the worship service itself, not with the high priest, just along a road, God's going to show up on a desert road. That should speak so clearly to you and to me about God's love for us. I didn't meet God in a church. Maybe you did. I don't, I don't know. I, I met God because a, a guy pulled up in a car thought, that, that he said, man, these kids are out here selling drugs. And, and so he pulls up and starts a conversation with us. He says, what happens if I were to shoot you right now? Do you believe in heaven and hell? I'm like, wow. Real seeker friendly, buddy. But then from there, it was basketball. So it's a street corner. It's basketball. It's friendship and mentorship and love. And then it's the gospel. But it was the gospel all along because it was the gospel that motivated this man to stop his car. It was the gospel that motivated this man to pay the recreation center fees so that we could open up the gym. It was the gospel that, that motivated him all along to call his friends, his Christian friends, and say, hey, why don't you meet me there and play ball with these kids? It was the gospel that was initiated all along. And so many times we all think of it, oh, no, no, it's just, it's just when they hear the gospel. It's just when they hear that. No, no, no. It's the gospel through and through from the beginning to the end. It was the gospel that put Philip onto the road. It was, it was hearing from God that just had him go to a desert place, and he didn't know why he was doing it. It was the gospel, the gospel, the gospel, the good news of God all the way through. And so the Ethiopian was miles away from his homeland. He would have been default a Gentile. He would have been uh, most likely of a, a different ethnicity in terms of even race and complexion than the norm. And, and so God reaches for the outsiders. God will go out of those normal boxes. God will go out of those normal means. The question is, will we? Or will we allow our comfort zone to be the thing that we worship? So he was likely kept from the temple. He wasn't saved by one of the apostles spreading the, the gospel in Jerusalem. No, he was saved on a desert road. So does location matter? No. Do the building matter? No. Did being close to the city matter? No. None of that matters. What matters is that God loves you enough to come after you. Our comfort zone does not matter to the God who brings comfort. Our comfort zone doesn't matter to the God that brings comfort. In fact, many of us, we've got to get to the uncomfort zone. <laughs> did you realize this? Think about this. And I know, did you realize God, the God of comfort cannot bring you comfort? as long as you're in your comfort zone? 
The God who brings comfort cannot bring you comfort so long as you sit in your comfort zone. And you know what we do? Here's what we do, friends. And this is why I'm just so passionate about whatever you're going through. And, and, and I opened up today saying, hey, you know, I know there's a lot going on. Just hold on to the hope of God. Because here's the thing. I really believe there are people that are missing out on the hope of God and the God of all comfort. Because in part, you do everything in your flesh and I do everything in my flesh to make sure we are the most comfortable We'll, we'll take the meeting. We'll go there. We'll spend our time. We won't spend our time. We'll spend our resources. We won't spend our resources. We'll tithe. We won't tithe. We'll give to charity. We won't give to charity. We'll, we'll, and we do all. We make these decisions primarily centered around this cocoon of comfort. Because I don't want to be uncomfortable. So if it costs me too much, no, 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 I'm not doing that. I've got this cocoon of comfort I need. And now here's the danger. The danger, my friends, is you'll never understand how the God of the universe can bring comfort to you so long as you're fighting and you're keeping your guard up in order to keep your comfort. And the gospel doesn't go anywhere. You never see a friend led to Jesus Christ. You never get to weep joyous tears over somebody that met God because you poured it. And none of that ever happens because you're just like, I'm good. I'm just trying to get through to the next paycheck. I'm trying to get through to the next birthday. I'm trying to get through to the next Christmas. And so long as we're all worried about our comfort, the gospel doesn't go out and we don't get to be a part of what God is doing in the world. But it's a divine overlap, my friends. God's going to do his work. The question is, are we going to provide our worship? And our worship is not just through singing songs. Our worship is, say, Lord, you can have everything, even my comfort zone. And if you're God, you're the God of all comfort, are you really worried about your children being uncomfortable? <clears throat> you bring the comfort. So you're like, it's okay. When I get there, my kids are going to be fine. Why? I bring the comfort. I bring that. That's part of my character. When I'm walking with my children, they will indeed be comforted. And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of Scripture I just read, and the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and began with the Scriptures, and he told them the good news about Jesus. Church, the sinner isn't saved by working like a saint. The sinner is saved by embracing the work of Jesus for the sinner. The sinner's not saved because we say, hey, you know what you need to do? You need to get your life together. You need to have it all figured out first. You, you need to behave really well. And if you do all these things, and if you check all these boxes, and if you show up at church, if you, if you, if you, if you, then, no, it's actually the opposite. The sinner is not saved by working like a saint. The sinner is saved by appreciating, embracing, receiving the finished work of Jesus on behalf of the sinner. And many times we, we look and we see Philip and he's like, hey, you know what? What this is all about is the work of Jesus. And so when, when the eunuch was looking, the Ethiopian eunuch is like, man, who's this about? Philip just welled up in him and he's like, man, that's my Jesus. That's my Jesus. 
He, he suffered all of that for you. He lived this life and he died an agonizing death. He did all that for you. That's my Jesus. And so I don't want to tell you today, Ethiopian eunuch, that you need to get your act together or you need to behave a certain way or you need to do this or that. No, no, no. I want to tell you about my Jesus who did all of that for you. And many of us inside of the church, we can say, you know what? You need to get your act together. But No, they don't. What they need to do is get a hold of Jesus. And when people get a hold of Jesus and they just go, wow, he did that for me? I, I'm, a, I'm a sinner and I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm so broken. And you go, yeah, I know. I am too. Isn't that cool? No, but you don't understand like my, my thought life and, and my past. And, and don't you understand it? And you go, yeah. Isn't that cool? Here's what I've noticed. The equation is that the, the greater the sinner, the greater the grace. The more jacked up a person is, the greater you can uh, brag on Jesus. Because you can just say, yeah, that's right. That's why. That's why he was a sheep led to the slaughter. For you, that's why he was a, a lamb before the shear. He was silent. He didn't have to open his mouth. He had a mission to do for you. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. He didn't take that on for himself. You know why? He was after justice for you. Who can describe this generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. He did all of this for you. Church, religion celebrates your personal sacrifice. Christianity celebrates the sacrifice of Jesus. But listen, listen, listen. You get it, and I get it. But here's our challenge with saints and sinners. Our challenge is the sinners need to get that. Our, our challenge is the sinners need to hear about the love of Christ. Our challenge is the sinners need us to open our mouth. Sinners need to see that we believe it. Sinners need to see that this is serious. We build our lives on this stuff. But so oftentimes we just go, well, I'm just trying to be a good example. No, it's not good enough. The world's full of people being good examples for, for thousands of different reasons. Maybe guilt, it might be shame, it might be a really, really ugly reason that a person is so well manicured. That's not good enough. What is good is the beautiful feet that bring good news. It's when you open your mouth and you go, yeah, you know what, I want you to know, you don't have to have it all together, my friend. I don't. No. That's the opposite of Jesus. What you need to do is understand you don't have it all together. And that you do need God's love. You do need God's grace. You do need God's salvation. And it's all in the finished work of Jesus. I'm not here, my friends, to ask you as a sinner to become or behave like a saint. I don't want you to. Because it would just be fake. What I want you to do is to acknowledge that you're a sinner. And acknowledge the finished work of Jesus to save you from that sin. And if you'll marry those two together, then you'll walk as a humble saint. Life will change. But we're not trying to get the life change without Jesus. There is no sustainable, eternal life change without Jesus. What we're trying to get to is get you a hold of Jesus. When you get a hold of that principle that you, as a human, you're not just doing sin, but you are a sinner, and you cannot save yourself through all your good behavior, but rather what you need to do is surrender your life over to Christ and allow Him to fill you and lift you and guide you, then then you get the peace that passes all understanding. Then you get the God of all comfort. But guess what it takes to be saved? You have to be uncomfortable. So why is it that at our salvation where we understand we need to be uncomfortable? 
But then all of a sudden we get in church a little while, just long enough to learn the lingo. And then we start to fight for our own comfort again. Isn't that sad? We got to get to the place to where we're just as vulnerable with God every single day of our lives. Whether he gives us one more week or one more year or 10 years or 100 years, we say, God, I am just as vulnerable. I am just as broken. I am just as yours. I'm every bit the sinner. The only difference is I'm saved by the grace of God. So people might call me a saint, but it's not because I do saintly things. It's because I'm saved by the grace of God. But you have friends, you have loved ones, you have neighbors, you have co-workers, you have family. And they don't understand this simple message. They don't understand it. Because they turn on the news and all of the religious people seem to be the most angry ones telling them how to behave. And they, they, they say, man, I don't, that just doesn't seem right. My friends that are at the bar, my friends that are doing drugs, my friends that are involved in six different sexual relationships, my friends, they seem to be much more accepting. And that's where our message has been twisted as the Christian church. And we need to say, you know what? You're a sinner. You don't become a saint by acting like one. You become a saint by acknowledging the fact that you're a sinner. And Jesus' work saves you. And then what will happen is when you really get that, you won't want the sinner stuff. You won't want to continue to doing the things that cost Jesus his blood. You won't want to. Because you'll say, man, why would I continue down that road? I'm saved by God's grace. I'm loved by him. I'm whole in him. I'm made well in him. I don't want to continue that pattern anymore. And that's when things change. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. He said, hey, there's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. They both went down into the water, Philip and the, the eunuch, and he baptized him. And then when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. In both of these little paragraphs here, when a sinner becomes a saint, life is about Jesus. Not the sinner, not the saint. When a sinner becomes a saint, life is about Jesus. Not the sinner, not the saint. He learns of Jesus' sacrifice. He proclaims that Jesus is the Messiah. So now he wants to be identified with Jesus immediately. Philip completes the task, and then all of a sudden he's out of the picture. It's not about the eunuch. It's not about Philip. It's not about Philip being a hero of the story in the eunuch's life. It's all about Jesus. This passage, by the way, has so many in terms of the original languages, so much that leads us towards why and how we baptize. So if you want to study on baptism, if you've never been baptized before, this passage tells us so much. I would love to talk to you about baptism, but what I'll tell you is, is that it was immediate, that he, he was riding along. He didn't have to prove anything to any board. He didn't have to get any certifications. He didn't have a church say, oh yeah, we've seen enough out of you. You go ahead and get in the water. No, it was just like, hey, um, you, you love Jesus? I love Jesus. Do you know what he did for you? Yeah, I know what he did for me. Um, all right, are you ready to follow him? Yeah, I'm ready to follow him. Hey, there's water. Let's get this stuff done. Let's go. And in the original language, is it, the fact that it's, it's going down and coming up, we're not talking about spittle in a cup. 
And so in all of this, he goes and he gets it. But then all of a sudden, now remember, God told Philip to come and go on this desert road. It was a big old deal. And you had the eunuch and man, nobody back at Jerusalem had led him to the Lord. But here he is on a desert road and they meet. And you would think like this would be a long-term discipleship. And this would be a long-term thing. And this would be great. And that attachment would be everything. But what does God do to Philip? Calls him away. But it says that, that the eunuch went on rejoicing. Another thing that I've noticed that we in the Christian church do is we have a tendency to worship moments in, instead of worshiping Jesus. We we worship a period in our lives. We worship smells that were in the building. We worship groups of people that were around us when we were growing spiritually. And what we do is we try to hold on to these moments. Like Peter up on the mountain with Jesus. You remember? He's like, hey, why don't we pitch some tents here? Jesus is like, no, there's other things to do. This is such a great moment. <laughs> yeah, but we got to keep moving. But many of us, and maybe you're in this room, but, but many of us, we're, we're always living our lives trying to get back to that thing, that time, that place, and that experience. And who was there? And how did it go? And how did it feel? And what kind of building was it in? And, and who was around me? And what was I doing? And, and we try to replicate. We try to manufacture a movement of God. And I want to encourage you today, when God moves, it is not about the sinner. It is not about the saint. It is about Jesus. And so you and I, the best thing I can do, the best thing you can do going forward every day is to say, Lord, I don't need to go back and to worship that experience. I, I don't need to worship that moment. I don't need to pretend like there wasn't problems. No, what I need to do is get a hold of Jesus today. Well, pastor, what do I do tomorrow? Get a hold of Jesus. Yeah, 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 but what about on like Saturday? Get a hold of Jesus. Okay, but I've been in church a long time. I mean, I mean, come on, is there something else? Get a hold of Jesus. Well, do you think I should go to seminary? I don't know. Has he called you to go to seminary? But don't you think I'd learn a lot more? Not really. You can't really get a hold of Jesus just because you're at a seminary. I know a lot of people that are going through seminary that still haven't got a hold of Jesus. Get a hold of Jesus. It's not about the sinner, not about the saint, not about a moment. It's about Jesus. And God may move heaven and earth in order for you to have great encounters. You celebrate them. You thank God for them. They're a mile marker in your journey. But you got to keep moving. you got to get a hold of Jesus, fresh and anew. Get a hold of Jesus. Remember, it's this divine overlap. It's the work of God, which he's going to do with or without me but it's the worship of his children. And it's when the work of God meets the worship of his children that we become faithful and we share the good news of Jesus. And we make much of him, we make little of self, and we start over the next day and get a hold of Jesus. I pray that as we think about saints and sinners and you think about the fact that there are so many people that are out there needing this message and this love from God, I pray that every single day when you wake up, you'll just say, Lord, I want to get a hold of you today. Would you renew me, strengthen me, 
and call me to something awesome, and I don't have to know what the end is before I begin. I'm going to start that journey, and I'm going to see where you're taking me. If I hear your voice, my answer is yes. Because why? I want to get a hold of Jesus. Let's pray.